what's going on guys welcome back to a brand new episode on the bot talk in today's episode guys we have alias from what bot this episode is going to be huge we're having a what bot restock in today's episode if you guys are in the chat right now please consider subscribing i push out content weekly quickly two things before we get into today's episode guys we have two sponsors for today's episode if you guys want to sponsor episode contact me at the bot talk on twitter we'll discuss it further there however the two sponsors the first of which which is ping proxies this sponsor the show before ping proxies is a residential and data center proxy provider they have 30 million plus residential IPs and over 25,000 data center IPs. Their proxies span over 60 plus countries and their proxies are available for all sites. I highly recommend you check them out. All links will be down below. The next sponsor is Plugged. Plugged has sponsored the show before. I really like the brand. I like the people that run the brand. Plugged is launching their new product called Plugged Frenzy this Sunday at 5 p.m. EST. For those of you that don't know, Frenzy is an app that has loads of new sneaker releases and a release through the app. Plugged Frenzy allows you to bot the Frenzy app in as little as two seconds to check out. You won't want to miss their Twitch live stream. This is uh, Sunday, 5 p.m. EST. You can find all their links down below to check out. Jumping straight into today's episode, guys. We have Alias from what like I mentioned at the beginning. This episode is a live event. So if you guys want to drop a like on the live stream, I'll highly appreciate that. Let's jump straight into the questions. One of the first things I'll ask all the guests on the show, how do you discover reselling? So I think I actually discovered reselling um, back in like 2005, 2006. Mind you, I wasn't actually reselling back then, but it was back, uh, you know, when the Xbox 360 and the PS3 and the Wii released, I knew that those could flip for higher prices. Um, but in terms of like the actual act of reselling, I think I started around when the Fear Force came out, the Jordan Fear Force. And I was also like reselling concert tickets back then as well um with that as well i th think i was also reselling supreme just a little bit but most of it i was buying for myself yeah that is pretty similar to what some guests do say obviously it doesn't date back to all the way back in 2005 2004 like you mentioned but yeah relating to that i remember when the consoles did drop it was known that these consoles were to sell out on like loads of stuff so there was that extra demand there so obviously you're identifying that there's aftermarket you can create that revenue stream for yourself which is what reselling is within this, within this community. So that's kind of created a base of how you discover reselling. However, to focus or fix it on shoes reselling and hypeware reselling, how did you discover botting? Uh, so I discovered botting mostly uh, back when Soul Martyr was like releasing his little script for Adidas. Realistically, I started reselling um, for the purpose of paying for school. I was in university back then, uh, it was first year. And I wanted to make some extra cash, you know, university is expensive and whatever, uh, buying food on campus is expensive and all that. So that's when I truly got into botting. Um, I may have purchased like a Supreme bot in the past as well, but I don't think I really used it as much. But uh, back then I was using things like, um, you know, Soul Martyr script. And then I got into things like Ycop and I was buying Yeezys. I hit like five zebras, a bunch of breads and stuff like that. I uh, see. So that is pretty similar to what some devs do say on the show. However, some of them do mention that literally they just came straight into coding. They found this community per like freelancing. But it's interesting to know that you did have an interest in hypeware and like items that did resell like Yeezys and Supreme like you mentioned. So it's interesting to see how you went from being a person that's interested into it to being a coder slash developer for one of the biggest bots. But we'll get into that later in the episode. One thing I didn't want to mention how did you go from being a manual user to a bot? Back when I was manually, I was in high school. And then in university, I really got into botting when uh, I realized that, yeah, you know, I, I bought this uh, Beluga Yeezy and uh, I flipped it for 900 Canadian. 
um, that's three times what I paid for it. So I was thinking, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what if I got 10 of them? That's a lot of money. Um, and so that's when I went ahead and, uh, you know, I found Soul Martyr. I ended up purchasing Wyckoff, as I mentioned. And then along with that, you know, usually people get into like a cook group or that what they do is uh, purchase more bots or whatever monitors. Uh, that's really when I started using any knowledge I had for programming for the purpose of purchasing sneakers. Um, yeah, I basically wanted to save as much capital as I could. So I wasn't purchasing memberships to cook groups and stuff like that. Yeah, it's pretty similar to my experience. I didn't start as early as you did, but when I did start, I wanted to create that profit margin. I knew that me copying multiple items and stacking it and seeing the profit margins across like five pair of shoes versus one pair of shoes is huge and there's loads of money to be made. So I kind of did take advantage of that similar to what you did. So we've created the basis around how you got into reselling, how did you get into buying. However, one thing we did mention that buying, you're known for being a developer of what bot, and that is one thing I did want to dissect. However, to go back straight to the beginning and kind of dissecting your current role, how do you discover coding? Uh, so I discovered coding, um, I think I discovered it in high school mostly, but I think my interest in computer ac computers actually started when I was two years old. Uh, I know it sounds crazy that I was two years old, two and a half years old, but that's when I was actually given a computer by my dad. Um, and from there, basically, what's what's happened is that I was interested in computer hardware and I was interested in the software on the computer as well. Like, for example, um, what I would do apparently is I used to break the computer and then my dad used to fix it and then I used to fix it. When I say break, I don't mean break the parts. I mean, like I messed, messed up the Windows install or whatever. Eventually, I figured out how to fix that myself. And I think that was the base of how um, my interest into programming started. Um, interestingly enough, though, uh, even though I took the computer science courses in high school, I didn't choose to go into computer science in university. I actually went into finance. Um, and to be honest, I don't exactly know why I chose to do that. But I don't think that takes away from I guess any of the experience that I had in the past. In fact, I think it's beneficial. So I was buying a pair of shoes and I met somebody uh, and they worked at a financial firm and they were in a high position at that firm. And they were telling me, um, because I went to the same school as them, they were telling me that learning Python is one of the most uh, valuable things that I could do to make myself valuable to the industry. And so that is how I really got into programming because that's when I was in university. I was also reselling. And then I had somebody in a high position who basically became my mentor during my time at university telling me to learn Python. Combining all that is, uh, I guess, how I really became, um, you know, a developer. Uh, see, that is quite interesting. I would have thought that you would have gone into computer science. I feel like some of the viewers would have thought that as well. It's interesting to see that you went into finances. Finances is a very useful thing to have on ball paired with coding. And I feel like that kind of developed you into the person you are today. It does help with your kind of mindset, especially in business. And we're in a very business heavy community, I'd say, especially when you're balancing your reputation as well as working with companies and making sure you're being paid the right amount. I feel like it all ties in, but something I do want to touch upon what were some of the first languages you learned when coding? Uh, I mentioned that I took some high school courses. Um, 
one of the things that I did do is I competed in sort of like a engineering competition with Lego Mindstorms robots. So, I mean, I, I mainly dealt with the design of the robot and stuff like that. I didn't really do much of the programming, but like I've seen my fair share of C++. I've seen my fair share of a little bit of Java and uh, Robot C. That's what the robot that was competing uh, was using. And so fun fact, we actually came first in that first out of uh, 80 different schools. So, I mean, it was really dope and all that. But um, yeah, those were my first exposure to programming languages. But the first one that I truly learned was actually Python. Expanding on that, like you said, the first program you did learn was Python. And when personally, when I was coding in high school, I learned Python as well. I feel like it's one of those go to languages to kind of develop a bit of understanding at the beginning. Obviously, I'm not a developer or a coder, so I don't have a huge understanding, but personally, myself learning it, it was pretty easy and it was really easy to navigate. And I feel like that's one of the languages loads of people go to for the first language. But tying on that idea, what were some of the first programs you made with Python? Uh, so with Python, I was really just, uh, I pretty much made almost anything and everything, I would say, as crazy as that sounds. Um, Python was really the base of what got me into programming so whether it was like something like a simple web scraper or if it was um i worked at a financial company for eight months and i built an automation program or a script i guess that automated all their daily reports and basically we were saving with that program we were approximately saving thousands of hours a year so that would be my first production grade program but I guess some of my first programs, yeah, Web Scraper, Shopify Monitor, stuff like that, um, you know, because that stuff interested me. Um, I guess in high school, I also did like a calculator app and that was in JavaScript. But I wouldn't say I really understood JavaScript back then. So so from your answer, I understand that you kind of merge your interest or your work with coding to create efficiency. That's what I've learned. Like you said, in your finance firm, you create a program or a script to save loads of hours of reporting and daily reports, which is really good. It saves the business a lot of money and it shows that you're investing time into your interest and combining coding with your interests, which leads on to the next thing I want to talk about. How did you establish yourself as a programmer within the botting community? So that's a very interesting question, I'd say. Um, I don't think I had any sort of reputation before working at Wapot. Uh, in fact, I didn't even have the tag alias until I decided to uh, reveal myself in the Wapot Slack. Um, to those of you who were there since May 2019, you will know that for a while I was known as Dev2 and I didn't really have a name and you couldn't talk to me. You couldn't, I, I didn't reply to anything. You would have no idea who I was. And then uh, sometime down the line, I reveal myself as alias. Um, with that being said, that doesn't mean that I haven't had any interactions with people on sneaker Twitter prior to uh, working for Wattbot. I definitely did. And I did sell things like um, cash bypasses, um, uh, some other Shopify information, I guess, or knowledge to people um, that basically inquired for it. I used to post on Twitter saying that I have this or that uh, information or knowledge or cash bypass, whatever it may be. And people used to DM me a lot of flakers, but then the people who actually paid up uh, did end up getting that information. See, touching upon that, from my experience, I feel like if you're a coder or developer in this community, you kind of have it easier compared to other people. And I'll go ahead and expand on that. It's just because of the fact that I know there's a lot of developers in this community, but if you were to open this up to the real world or open this up to any Twitter community, 
developers and coders are very in demand because there's always programs and software that needs to be made there isn't like any company needs some type of software so i feel like even if you have like five followers but you can clearly do the work those companies and those people latch onto because you have something that they want and obviously like if you were to talk about myself here if i were to hire someone to build a website i can't do that so i feel like even if the person were to have no reputation but they could do the job i feel like that is one of the reasons why lots of developers gain traction even before working for anyone it's just because of the fact that they're able to create these programs for people whereas other people can't so you went ahead and said that you saw little things here and there on twitter to people within the botting community to kind of establish a bit of an app for yourself but one thing i did want to dissect from your answer that you did say that you were known as dev2 i wasn't in the slack back then so i had no idea but i wanted to ask you is there any particular reason why you didn't go ahead and go public with a username or be public within the slack and express your personality so along those lines is there any reason why you didn't go public straight away to be honest i think it's because i consider myself a little bit of a, a lone wolf and as much as i wanted to interact with people in the slack or to do any like deal with any support measures um i think it was best um at least when starting to keep it heads down keep it to the code and do what i was supposed to do and so that's why i decided to be anonymous see i feel like some people in that position would have used that for like clout on twitter and i mean from your character you can already tell that you're kind of focused on your work it is you can tell with certain people about how they speak and the way they operate and i feel like a lot of people on twitter do know that that you're very focused into your work and from this episode they'll learn that as well but one thing i didn't want to talk about to kind of develop a timeline here casting just a bit before you go into what what how did Sneaky, the current owner of WhatBot, contact you to hire you as a developer for the bot? So Sneaky was actually uh, looking for a cash bypass himself for the bot. And that's when I first came into touch with Sneaky. Um, but from there, basically, back then, I was actually working on my own little, you know, I, I had my monitors and I wanted to build a bot as well. Um, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a private bot or like a public bot. Ideally, a public bot, because, you know, uh, there are benefits to having a public bot. Um, but yeah, from that point where he wanted to purchase that cash bypass for me, I took that as an opportunity to share knowledge. Um, so he would get a little bit of my knowledge. I would get a little bit of his knowledge. And from there, I think we built like a working relationship without actually working with each other um, in the sense that he could use my knowledge and I could use his. And then eventually it came to the point where Sneaky needed a little help. And um, I was one of those people that he contacted. Um, you could say he gave me a little bit of an interview asking me questions about uh, when I would have some free time to work if he were to hire me. Um, things like what are my interests? What interests me in developing a bot? Uh, and he also had me do a little code test, I guess. Um, so fun fact, I actually didn't know Node or JavaScript um, prior to joining Wattbot. Uh, so what he had me do is basically show that I can actually code. And by that, I mean, he gave me a little assignment that I had to complete that was, I guess it was, it used some elements that would be in a bot. And basically I just had to show that I was capable of understanding how to write good code. And from there, 
uh, he gave me an offer, and I gladly took that offer. Yeah, Sneaky has came onto the show before. And from speaking with him in DMs and obviously on the episode for everyone to see, he does seem like a bit of a rigorous person. That isn't meant to come off as a bad way, but he seems like he's very precise. He's very, he'll only hire the best people. And obviously, you were the best person for the job. And like you said, there was a testing phase, and I feel like that was the best way to get you on there to actually kind of prove to him that. I can code, I can meet the requirements, and then you took the offer. And I feel like that offer did spark a lot of things. However, when you did take the offer when you first joined WhatBot, I feel like the whole experience and the whole climate back then is a lot different to how it is now. So can you go ahead and talk about how it was working at WhatBot in the early days? So in the early days, as I mentioned, I didn't know JavaScript coming into WhatBot. So it was a little bit of a challenge for me in that way, um, along with more challenges. Back when I joined, I only knew Python and Go. So, you know, I find Go a little bit syntactically similar to JavaScript, just JavaScript is a little more complex. So I think it wasn't too bad when I was joining, but for the first few weeks, it was mostly me um, basically giving advice, um, dabbling into the code here and there, but mainly meetings about understanding how the current code works, um, how I can, I guess, insert myself into that code base and make it better. And I was also developing some services that we use uh, for like logging or tracing errors and stuff like that. And eventually we leveraged those services in order to solve Shopify bot protection and try to, I guess, debug any issues that we had during any release. I uh, see that is quite interesting because obviously I'm assuming at the time Sneaky was a sole developer for WhatBot so he was only used to to himself and obviously when you're coding a program by yourself there's no real need to explain to yourself because you coded it so bringing in someone and having to go through the entire process at the beginning it would seem like a long tedious thing but I feel like having two people understand the codes with different capability would be very beneficial for the bot and as you guys can see the bot thrives and it does really well so I feel like that decision was good. Let's talk about how you got into WhatBot early days, how you got into reselling and coding. However, did you encounter any hurdles when you first started working for WhatBot? So one of the biggest uh, hurdles for me was that we, or I was limited to using only JavaScript um, when I first started. Uh, now most of our backend services are written in Go, which means that they are, I guess, in my opinion, infinitely more efficient and simpler to understand. That was one of the big uh, disadvantages for me. And I guess the other disadvantage was that it took time for me to understand the code. And I felt like I was a little bit useless for a while. Um, you know, just not, I guess I did understand it, but I wanted to figure out a way how I could make sure that both Sneaky and I are comfortable with the code that I'm writing. Now we've gone ahead and talked about the early days, we developed the timeline. However, let's jump to the present. What are some of the advantages you get for working at Warpo? So I think the biggest benefit is seeing your work reach fruition and then flourish. Uh, for example, the Obsidian Ones drop, I don't think anything will ever beat or replace the feeling of uh, how it felt for us to do so well on that drop. Um, of course, there's financial benefits to working at WhatBot. Like I was able to pay off my student loans and stuff like that. But I, I don't really think anything can top the feeling you get from your work being recognized and then your work doing well. 
Um, I guess another benefit is that work hours are pretty flexible, uh, aside from when sites may change something before a drop day or during a drop day or, you know, an all day drop day, like easy day. Um, yeah, that was quite stressful to be honest. Yeah, I imagine it is just because of the fact that you have to be constantly on if, uh, error encounters. One aspect of being a developer or even working at a company within this community at a high position, one aspect that I feel like viewers tend to ignore is that you're answering to thousands of people. And the good thing about Wobbot, they've kind of catered to that because if you guys aren't familiar with their system, it's an invite-only system. Uh, they grant invites to members, but they also do giveaways on their Twitter and there's ways to join through their Twitter as well when they do forms and stuff. However, it's a monthly fee and essentially how Sneaky explained it when he came on to the show for his episode. He said that he purposely did it just because of the fact that he's giving them 30 days and $30 worth of value. I think that's the price. Don't quote me on that. However, he gives 30 days worth of value. Whereas if he were to allow the bot to be resold, then someone could pay $3,000 and then join the, dis join the Slack expecting three thousand dollars worth of value so i feel like that does help just because of the fact that you've captured users to the people that are really dedicated to the bot but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's quite stressful and that kind of plays nicely the next thing i did want to ask what are some of the disadvantages of working at Wobbot? i think one of the biggest disadvantages is working from home and some people may not see that as a disadvantage but it that answer is kind of based on two things uh one of them is your setup you kind of spoil spoil yourself with your setup at home. When you go work at another desk job, uh, you may not exactly have exactly what you want. Maybe it's the keyboard, maybe it's the mouse, maybe it's uh, you know whatever uh, laptop you're using. Maybe you're used to a Mac, and then now you got to go work on a Windows um, PC or something. Um, you know, maybe that doesn't apply to like software development and stuff like that, of course. But for somebody working in finance, for example, that would be um you know you, you'd pretty much be forced to use windows uh the other thing is that i don't really get to meet as many people as i would with a regular job and that is something that i actually do miss i do miss networking with people um i do miss meeting new people and you know it, it kind of comes with working at home right i try and go out as much as possible and meet new people but sometimes it just doesn't you know fulfill what i'm looking for yeah, it kind of refers really nicely to a phrase I do say on the show, it's a guess. And the phrase totals towards the trade-off. And what the trade-off is, is being in a unique position, being able to generate loads of revenue for yourself, like you said, financial gain. And obviously, it's not the most high-paid job in the world. Being in this position, you are well off compared to other people your age just because of the fact that it's in a unique community. And your skill is very highly paid, so I feel like that is a trade-off. But the negative side to that is, obviously, like you said, you're at home in your own setup. You don't network. You don't go to meetings because literally all your clientele is over the internet. I feel like maybe you've seen someone at a release somewhere that mentioned what bot and now you know that that customer's there in real life, but there's no real networking place, there's no events. I mean, you can count SneakCon if you want to, but there's no real networking element, which you touched upon. It kind of made me realize that as well, like touching upon the fact that you're in your own setup and if you go to work for someone else, you have to adjust differently. I never really clicked onto that, but it makes sense just because you get comfortable in your own setup, you have your keyboard laid out somewhere, 
you have X amount of screens, you're used to a certain operating system. And I feel like that can play a part when you do go into future employment. So I feel like being in a position where you can generate revenue for yourself at home is a very lucky position, but obviously does come with some downsides and that kind of total towards the phrase of being the trade-off. Now, I think we've touched upon it a tiny bit. Like you said, you, you try to go out as much as you can and also you like networking. But how has working at Wobble affected your personal life? So one of the things, um, I mean, I guess it wasn't really Wobbot that made me decide this, but after working at that financial company for eight months and I was basically coding all the time, even though I was hired as an investment analyst, um, it made me realize that I don't really love my university program as much as I thought I would. And maybe it would have been better if I went into something like computer science instead. So I was planning to take some time off anyway, but, um, you know, the opportunity cost of me taking something, some time off just because I don't love something versus me taking some time off, um, because, uh, I got a job at Wattbot, uh, it's, it's way different. And when I say I'm taking time off something, I'm talking about university. So for now, I guess, uh, the biggest change in my personal life was me deciding to put off university. Otherwise, more or less, everything is the same. You know, I try and keep things pretty consistent. Maybe my sleeping schedule is closer to uh, PST than it is EST, even though I'm living in the EST time zone. So, yeah, that's about it. I did want to dissect your answer there just a little bit. You mentioned how you're taking a break from university. Is there any worry or do you have a plan in your mind about how you're going to continue university? Are you even going to continue university? What's the roadmap ahead? So I'm not 100% sure whether or not I'm going to go back to university yet. I, as I said, like, I don't love my finance program. Uh, I would love to go into something like maybe computer science or software engineering, but I don't think it would be a good idea to, for me to go into that right now, at least. Uh, I feel like when good opportunities come to you, you should take them and run with it. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, is there any worry? Sure. I mean, maybe one day uh, some site is going to have some really, you know, strong bot protection. Like, you know, when Supreme first had Pookie or whatever, um, it may hurt revenue or, you know, there may be something like the current coronavirus that may affect uh, the global economy. And maybe not as many people are going to be purchasing shoes. Uh, thus, resellers won't want to purchase what bought and then there won't be as many people botting and you know it's a whole domino reaction there's there's always a worry it doesn't matter what industry that you're in but i'm kind of just you know playing it by ear right now um very thankful for the position that i'm in uh, i hope to you know continue in this position but that doesn't mean that i'm not planning for the future uh i hope to you know sharpen my skills and be valuable enough for basically any position that I may be offered. Yeah, personally from here, you know, I feel like you're in a very good position. You have the time to increase your caliber, make yourself more skillful, not to say you're skillful right now, but essentially grow your knowledge, grow your capabilities, and that will kind of future-proof you. All of us now listening to this, the technological enhancements in the world we live in is always evolving. And I feel like, especially in coding, in reference to a global demand, the demand is there and it's continuing to rise because loads of companies want to invest money into it. So I feel like you're in a very, very good position. But just to end it off here, before we go ahead and do the special event, 
what kind of what what users expect going forward in the future so obviously sneaky and i have been heads down working on uh 1.0 what bot 1.0 um mm -hmm. you know there will be ui enhancements better performance um generally what 1.0 aims to do in our opinion at least is improve usability you know we have people saying that shopify is hard to set up and you know what maybe it is uh, i don't find it hard to set up but then again i have a different perspective on how to use a bot than just a regular user even when i first had whatbot i never had any issues setting up whatbot this was before i was developing it um but like you know different things are more difficult for certain people um so what we want to do is we want to make it easy for every kind of user whether you're an advanced user or just a regular user that may use it time to time to get like a personal item or something uh, re we really want to stress that usability aspect and, you know, Sneaky, Sneaky's a designer. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Wattbot, as it was written right now and how it was designed right now, was not meant for how releases are basically executed today. Today with Checkpoint and stuff like that, um, you know, or, or people running hundreds of profiles, Wattbot wasn't originally intended to run hundreds of profiles. That's not how competitive botting was back then. So we hope to add features that will basically please everybody from a regular user to a slot runner or to like a bulk buyer. Um, and the other thing is we're really building a base for the future. Um, what that means is, of course, we're looking into adding new sites, but we want to make sure that we have a good base to update in case that bot protection changes um, or to update in the sense that uh, we need to get faster or, you know, we need to make a change mid drop. We're just making sure that we're able to make these changes as quickly and efficiently as possible. And going back to what I said earlier, you know, I, I came into this code base and Sneaky was the only one to work on it before me, basically, uh, or rather before I came into the picture. So we have basically for, I guess, a few weeks, we've been going back and forth on what we think is an ideal design pattern. And uh, we found something that's we both think we're very comfortable with and will enhance um, or rather speed up development time of whether it be adding new sites or updating to add new features or increasing the speed of um, whatever it may be. But as a user of Wattbot, that does sound very, very exciting. If you guys are using Wattbot right now, you have a bright future ahead of you. But for the people that do not have Wattbot right now, you have an opportunity in this special event coming up right now. We're going to take a quick one minute break. I'll put a timer on the screen. Since you guys, you guys can chill for just a minute. I'll be in the chat. You can talk to me there. Have one minute break and then we're going to go to the special event.
So guys, this is the final part of the episode. This is what makes it a special event. We are restocking 25 copies of WhatBot. This will drop through a Discord invite formation. Now, essentially, how you're going to go ahead and do this is after this is going to be a three minute countdown that comes on the screen until everything drops. But I'm gonna go ahead and explain the system. It is different to last time. However, Sneaky suggested this method. Sneaky is the owner of WhatBot, and I really like the method. So we're gonna go ahead and roll with it. So essentially, on screen right now, there's colors in front of you. The colors go from right to left. That is the order of colors. You remember those order of colors. And essentially, after the three minute timer there's going to be a huge grid of numbers and letters and some of the numbers and letters are going to be highlighted in a color now with the order of colors are on screen i want you guys to grab all the letters and put that at the end of a discord invite and that's how you join you click join straight away so once again just to reiterate you use the order on screen when that grid comes up all you guys need to do is get the letters and numbers that are highlighted in a color and put them in the order of the colors on screen and then you guys can join good luck guys